Alright everyone, welcome back to a special episode of Projo Online. I'm going to be talking about people-pleasing. You know, lately I've really come to understand that people-pleasing is my mission, my area of work. That's the type of people I want to work with, it's the biggest barriers I've had to overcome in my life. Uh, everything that I'm most passionate about comes back to people-pleasing, so I'm really focusing on that lately. And what I've realized is that I used to think there was one type of people pleaser, which was the me type. And I've come to learn since that there is actually a range of people pleasing strategies and types. Uh, so today I wanted to do a podcast that would help any people pleaser out there identify what type they are, or at least what type they're being right now or in a certain context, and then from that analysis or that diagnosis know where to where to go next, how to break through that and how to get to a more confident social place. Um, because if you don't know your type or what type you're being right now, you won't know how to get free. You'll be unaware of why you keep repeating patterns that don't work, uh, why nothing seems to be going the way it's supposed to and so on. So I've been working with people pleasers for nearly five years now and I've been a people pleaser or people pleaser in recovery my entire life so i wanted to share this information with you and give you something you can work with so what i'm going to share with you these different types and places on this kind of spectrum of people pleasing you might live in one of these places almost constantly it might be your kind of home turf or you might float between them all depending on the context so you might choose certain strategies for certain um, situations and others for others or you might have a tendency towards one and then a tendency towards another for different times of your life. It doesn't really matter. The point is when you use this analysis, and you can listen to this over and over again, is to figure out where you are right now so that you know how to deal with it. So what we've got essentially is two, two axes, two spectrums that you will be on at any given time. And where those two meet is the place of people pleasing that you're currently at. This will make more sense as we go on. So the first one is the masculine to feminine spectrum. All of us move along the spectrum. None of us are all masculine or all feminine. A lot of us hang around the middle, the passive middle, which we'll talk about at the end. So the masculine to feminine, we're looking at giving and receiving. So the masculine is giving. It's that push outwards. It's effort and energy and action. It's this one focus, this linear focus. Feminine's more on the receive, the observe, the kind of take in information and, and do something with it. Less action and more watching and nurturing and caring and healing. Yeah. So those are the two kind of spectrums that you can, uh, the, the two ends of the spectrum that you can be on. And we often float between them or we tend to hang around on one side. The other one, the, the counter access to this, is the locus of control. Whether you think the locus of control is inside you or outside of you. Basically, it's where you see the responsibility for power in a situation. So you either think it's inside you, like you control everything and you need to do everything. Or you think it's outside of you, like you're powerless, it's beyond your control, it's in other people's hands. And again, this is one that we fluctuate on. Sometimes we're accurate, like this is my job, and it really is your job. And other times we're not accurate, like this person's in control of my confidence, when really it's you. You know. So these are the two spectrums that we move along at any given time and so that gives us four different quadrants that we can be in 
depending on the combination of these two spectrums. So, combination of masculine and feminine with external and internal locus of control. So what we're going to look at now is we're going to look at those four quadrants, these four different combinations of those two spectrums that you can be on, and what it means to be there, how you'll know that you're there, and what to do about it. So let's start with the masculine. So let's have a look at masculine spectrum, masculine end of the spectrum, with external locus of control. So you're in the masculine space, and you believe the power and control is outside of you. The point of focus is outside of you. So an example of this, for me, was when I was really into pickup, which is, for those of you who don't know what pickup artist or pickup is, it's learning how to make women attracted to you, right? So it's, when I was really into this, I was really focused on other people. I thought attraction, the power of my connection with other people, was their decision. So I focused on manipulating their decision. So my focus is all about controlling other people. Okay, so I call this spectrum, uh, this quadrant of masculine and externally focused, the manipulator. It's not necessarily a bad word, there's a good time and place for all of these things, so don't take my words as meaning anything derogatory. But manipulator means you're, con you're focused on managing other people. It often means you're a chameleon, so you will be whatever they need you to be so that you can maneuver them. If they like you when you're funny, you'll be funny. If they like you when you're helpful, you'll be helpful. If they like you when you're silly or bold or whatever, you'll, you'll adapt to whatever works for that person and allows you to get the best results from that person. So you're kind of camouflaged. You, you're, you're like one of those octopus, octopi, octopuses. I don't know if that debate's settled. You know those ones that just land on a coral reef and then they fucking disappear because they just fit in so well? That's what a chameleon does. You just you show up to somebody else's coral reef and you just fit right in. And you do so in a way that really you're maneuvering them. You're quite active, so you're masculine, you're pushing them, you're using strategies and tactics. So there's a strength in each one of these. And your strength, the strength that comes from being a manipulator and the strength that I, I received from my time in pickup, is you learn to understand psychology and how to wield it. You, you develop therapist qualities, actually coaching qualities you learn how people think what moves people now of course if you're a manipulator in the negative sense you'll use that against them for your own advantage but that information's also there to use to help people you can really do good with this information you can become a powerful leader or a motivator of course the weakness is that you become almost psychopathic in your view of people they become targets and objects they become sources of validation and approval and good feelings rather than actual people. You stop seeing people as people and you just see them as the potential value they can provide in your life. It becomes a very uh, transactional view of people. So that means you find it very hard to connect, just like a psychopath. It's very hard to connect with someone who you've manipulated into liking you because you know deep at your core that the whole thing was kind of staged and and uh, controlled. You can't really ever trust that someone likes you when you are this way. So there's strengths. You get to understand psychology. You learn about people. You also often develop like the core fundamental social skills and so on. Uh, the downside is you'll always have shallow superficial connections because you're manufacturing the feelings in them rather than allowing it to be natural and honest. So if you are in this area, stuck there, or 
just happen to be there for now, your next step, your development area, is to let go of strategy and listen attentively to people. Because you've already got like the skills about understanding their psychology, and now what you can do is actually let them spontaneously feel the way they want to feel rather than trying to control it. So every time you have a strategy about what you should say next, just let go of it, let a silence happen, and let them speak. Let them control some of the interaction. Let them influence you. If you're already naturally predisposed towards influencing them, and you allow 50% room for them to influence you, odds are you'll end up in a much more authentic connection. You'll influence each other. And another thing you can do in this space is you can call out what you're doing. So if you say, made someone laugh to make them like you, you can say, look, I just... I actually did that to make you like me. You know, I just caught myself just now, just making you laugh because I knew you'd like me more if you laughed. You can say stuff like that, or words to that effect, to kind of neutralize or just diminish how manipulative you're being and allow it to be more authentic. So that's the masculine external focus of control, the manipulator. Let's now, staying on the masculine end of the spectrum, let's move to the masculine and the internal locus of control. This is the one I call the performer. So this person's masculine, they're doing a lot of action, they're pushing, they're ambitious, and so on. And they're focused on controlling themselves rather than controlling others. So for me, and this is actually out of all of this, the quadrants, this is the place I spend the most time. For me, I was an overachiever. So I was always, especially in my career, I was always going for the next promotion, I was going for the best results. I was trying to impress people and myself with constant achievements. I I performed very well academically at school. I did more homework and studied harder than anybody else, any of my friends anyway. I just went hard to score highly. If I didn't win something, I felt very bad about it. And if I wasn't sure I could win something, I wouldn't even start. I was all about achievement. And it was all about me constantly being better than myself. I was trying to impress people. That's my main strategy. So the manipulator is trying to manage people. I was trying to impress them. I wanted to be in the spotlight. I wanted to be the performer, the guy on stage that everyone's watching and going, ooh and ah. So that's what the performer is. Now, the strength is that you become skilled and successful. And I did. My career flourished with this approach in in a certain aspect. You know, I constantly got promotions. I was like the youngest guy to be this, that, and the other. Um, I developed leadership qualities very quickly with this because part of being in the spotlight is you become somewhat socially fearless. You're willing to you're willing to lose some people to impress other people. So I, I became impressive in a sense. Now the downside to this the strength is perfectionism and high standards. You're never good enough. So no matter how well you're achieving, you're always beating yourself up for not doing better. You're always going over your past and looking for the faults rather than the successes. So quite often you'll see very many, there are a lot of high achievers who are actually performing for others and they don't even enjoy their achievements. You're impressed as shit, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe how awesome that dude's doing. But inside he's just like, no, I'm a fucking loser. I should have done so much better. So that's the weakness of being in this space. So the development area is relaxing and letting people support you. Allowing other people to see that you're weak, to see that you have uh, self-doubt and so on, and to let them fill in the gap, to take time out, let other people um, grab some of the good stuff. You know, for me, I was a, I was a manager at my, uh, in Department of Corrections managing a team, and this was about letting them have the exciting tasks that I usually kept for myself because I could look good doing them. 
It was about telling them when I felt my imposter syndrome creeping up and telling them that, hey, I wasn't really sure of myself today or whatever. It was letting them see that I'm not flawless and perfect and letting myself not be perfect. You know, giving myself permission to do things without being certain of what I was doing and getting things wrong, making mistakes, allowing myself into that space. So that's the masculine, both internal and external, the manipulator and the performer. Now we're going to shift down to the other end of the spectrum to feminine, which is, if you remember, is the receiving, taking in space. So first we've got the feminine with the external locus of control. So feminine end of the spectrum, external locus of control. And this is what I call the observer. So an example of being the observer uh, was like when I first started dancing. When I went to salsa class for the first time, I felt out of my depth. I was newbie. I didn't fit in with the group. I was the kind of, you know, I was the additional person. Everybody else was already friends and they knew each other. They were already comfortable with dancing and with the whole dance culture of being all touchy-feely and stuff. And all of this was just foreign to me. So the observer often quite feels feels quite foreign in this situation. So what I did was I just sat back and watched I just observed everybody else looking for cues on how I should behave in this uh, situation or what the rules were, kind of waiting to be asked to do things, waiting to be led and and shown the way. So the, the observer essentially hides in the background. They blend into the wallpaper and just watch. So that's when you're in the feminine and you think everybody else has the power, right? That the focus of control is in other people. So you watch them. Uh, so there's lots of follower and supporter type qualities that you've got. So the strength is you're a good listener. Uh, you make a great second in command. You're constantly watching someone else. You're there. You're, you're available for great feedback and reflection. And you're very supportive. You're somebody who will, you know, somebody else can't be a leader without their first follower. And you're the kind of person who will be the first follower, maybe the second or third. So you're good at supporting. The weakness, of course, is that no one gets to see your light. You don't speak without being spoken to first. You only offer what's been asked for. Um, so you're repressing your expression. You know, in that dance, in that dance scene, what I noticed a few years down the track after my confidence had grown was that actually there were some things in the dance world that were pretty fucked up and could do with my influence. And me and Mike from Brojo, we actually started a dance school specifically to try and address some of these problems. For example, a lot of the dance schools were very clicky and wouldn't work with each other and it made uh, made things awkward for students of different schools to dance with each other. So we set about trying to show that, hey, we're all here for dancing and it's all good. You know, we're all equals. You know, so we actually, by not expressing that earlier on, because I noticed it straight away, but I thought, well, I don't fit in. It's not my not my job to say something. I actually held back on something that they needed an outsider opinion on. So that's the weakness in being the observer, is that you're only an echo of the leaders. You're not actually leading yourself, and sometimes you need to. So your development area is to overcome your green light syndrome. Instead of waiting to speak, is to speak unbidden, is to share without prompting. So being a follower is great, but sometimes you need to express an opinion that wasn't asked for. Sometimes you need to just throw your two cents in, even though you know it will go against the vibe of the group. That's your development area. And so the next area we've got, we're still on the feminine end of the spectrum, but now we're internally focused. So the internal locus of control, and I call this one the analyst. An example of this is, I do this every day actually, is journaling. 
is where I sit down and I get a piece of paper, well, I open a Word document, and I write down everything that's going on inside my head and all my thoughts and beliefs and everything about the world and my um, analysis of my own behavior and my own results and figuring out why things happen the way they do. So the, in the feminine internal space, you're getting inside your own head and looking at what's in there and you're kind of obsessed with it. It's really characterized by living inside your own head, the overthinker, obsessed with your own thoughts, obsessive compulsive disorders really in this um, spectrum. You and your thoughts make up 90% of your canvas of the world. It's just you and you inside your head. Now the strength of this is you can develop very strong self-awareness tools and become really good at noticing cause and effect pattern recognition. So if used in the right way, this feminine, like this journaling type mindset can help you pick up on things that you're doing to sabotage yourself and you can pass the strength on to others later on. You can show them what you've learned from your analysis that maybe say somebody in the masculine space doesn't see that there are, like uh, me and Mike were talking about this the other day, a bull in a china shop. Somebody's all action with no direction. You know, they lack self-awareness, they lack analysis, and somebody in the feminine internal space uh, can really give them some insight. The weakness, of course, is that you tend to get stuck here and you just beat yourself up by going through mental loops where you never make progress. So you're just constantly reviewing the same pattern over and over again in your head without changing it, without doing anything about it, and just beating yourself to death. So the development area is to start taking action, and it's especially to take experimental actions to test your analysis. So when you come up with an idea for an analysis, like I do X because of Y, is to then actually go take some masculine action to test if that theory is correct, to give you something new to work with, new evidence to add to your analysis. Because without new evidence, you'll just chew on the same old pieces of evidence your entire life. And we've all done this. Like, I used to just live inside my head sometimes and just go over the same thing that I never understood in the first place, trying to understand it, but only with the information I already had in my head. I was never going to understand that. I need new information to work with. I need outside perspectives from other people. I need to try new things. So those are the four quadrants, but there's a fifth place. And that is passive. And that is where you're in the center. You're nowhere in the quadrants. You're in the middle, the gray area. And I've got a saying, confidence dies in maybe. This is the maybe area. You're neither here nor there. You're not doing. You're not receiving. You're just doing nothing. You're zero. So an example of this is when I used to get kind of, say, depressed from people-pleasing, and I would just smoke heaps of weed and sit on a couch with Subway and chocolate and just watch one movie after another to obliteration. I could do it for hours. That's the passive space. You're in a daze. There's, there's no action to move forward, and there's also no observation or awareness of what's happening. You're just kind of floating along, and time is ticking by. You'll know this. you're in the space when the weeks just seem to fly by. I mean, you're doing stuff, you're living your life, but nothing's really happening. You're not really sure what's happening. One week blends into another. There's no significance to it. Uh, depression is a great sign of passivity. There isn't a real strength, I believe, in being passive. Sometimes you can go here to heal, but I think you're much better going into the feminine space to heal, of observing and, and receiving. But if you're not really receiving... If you're pretending everything's okay and you're not even sure what okay is in that passive space, 
you're really just dying a slow death. So in terms of development, if you're in this place on the grass, in terms of development, just do anything, anything new, whether it's new journaling, whether it's new action, whether it's just like quitting your job and just making something happen, anything to get out of that passive space and get anywhere else in the in the graph, anywhere else in the in the spectrum to get moving. So to kind of summarize all of this, firstly note that there's strengths and weaknesses for each area. And usually living by the strengths of the area means just spending a small amount of time there before moving on. A really strong healthy life comes from moving around these areas regularly, getting a good taste of all of them. So for example, I might start by working on something for myself and then just as I'm starting to get burned out I'll move on to working with others so now I'm in the masculine masculine internal through the masculine external space and I'll make sure I'll listen to people while I'm in that masculine external space so that I've also got the feminine external observer happening so I give and receive and then when I'm finished all this I'll go journal and analyze what happened to me and learn from my experiences and then start again I'm just cycling around these, just taking the best from them and not getting stuck there to experience the weaknesses. Now that said, let's have a look at, just to summarize this, how you know where you are and what to do. Simply put, if there's lots of social interaction but no deep connections, you're in the manipulator space. You're all giving and controlling and no receiving or letting go. If there's lots of effort and achievement but no satisfaction, you're in the performer space. You're trying too hard. You know? If there's lots of attending and being part of stuff and watching, but no progress and a feeling of kind of repression, then you're in the observer space. You're in that feminine external space. And if there's lots of examination and theories, but no progress, then you're in the analyst space, the feminine ex- uh, internal. So what I'm hoping is that you guys can use this podcast as often as you need to to solve basically any problem you're having anytime you're having a problem come back and figure out which of these which area on the graph are you and and have a go at getting yourself out of that area by taking the new action so if you're stuck in the manipulator start listening to people and letting go of outcomes if you're stuck in the performer chill out and let people help you if you're stuck in the observer start saying some shit sharing something speak up at the meeting you know And if you're stuck in the analyst, then go take some actions as an experiment. Go try some new shit. And of course, if you're stuck in passive, do anything. Pull a fucking action out of a hat and do it. Just break out of that little death pit in the middle. I hope you guys found that helpful. As I record this, I'm currently in the middle of designing a People Pleaser Recovery Program, which will be launched in January 2018. If you're listening to this now, if you're keen on being involved with that program, get in quick. Email me dan at brojo.co.nz where we'll take what I talked about today to the extreme level where you will never get stuck in people pleasing again and always be authentically socially confident. Thanks for listening and I'll see you guys next time.